When it comes to cybersecurity, reacting to a threat isn't always enough. You have to get ahead and stay ahead of the escalating risks. My name is Sid Yenamander, and I'll be your host for Unencrypted Truth, a podcast powered by Entrada, the leading provider of comprehensive cybersecurity compliance software tools designed specifically for wealth managers and other regulated industries. All season, I'll be interviewing business professionals about what's keeping them up at night and how they're successfully mitigating the looming vulnerabilities that may exist within their firms, whether it's ransomware or cybersecurity compliance. We'll uncover the role cybersecurity education and training plays in preparing an organization for a cyber threat and help clarify the differences between preventative cybersecurity versus cyber insurance. There's a lot of truths to share, so let's unencrypt it together and dive right in. Hey, welcome to this episode of The Unencrypted Truth. Super excited to have Ann Robinson join us today. Ann is the Chief Compliance Officer of Farmers Financial Services. Super excited, Ann. Welcome. Hi, Sid. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. If you don't mind, just for the audience, if you could just provide a little background of yourself uh, and your responsibilities at, uh, at Farmers, that would be helpful. Sure. I've been in the industry for over 20 years. I started at a bank-based broker-dealer. I was there for about 12 years, and I actually left the industry and went to a technology firm. I say left the industry, even though I didn't go very far, right? I actually worked for a firm that, that, that sells financial services software and was there for about six years. And I came back about three years ago, and I joined Farmers Financial Solutions. So I, I have kind of a different background from some chief compliance officers in the fact that I really embraced technology. I really enjoyed my time working for the technology firm. And so I got to learn a lot about our customers and technology along that process. Awesome. I think your background is a perfect fit for what we're talking about here relative to cyber risk and compliance. So Anne, just to kind of kick things off. I mean, COVID has changed a lot of things for us from a compliance and just risk standpoint for wealth management firms, broker dealers in particular. What are some of the big things that you've seen that have changed in the last uh, several years post-COVID? The big shift is remote work, right? Our industry had not really embraced remote work before because of the registration requirements for locations. So now we're seeing that, you know, a lot of people are working from home. I'm talking to you right now from my house, right? right? Like a lot of people have transitioned and we're seeing that even firms are publicly saying that, you know, their employees will not be going back to the office. As a broker dealer, we had to come up with ways to supervise a remote work environment. You know, we couldn't just send everyone home and continue to do things the way we did before. So we needed tools to complete a virtual branch inspection to support our registered reps and how they communicated with customers and how we communicate with our staff and process business. And, you know, we also needed a way like immediately to keep business going post shutdown, right? So we had to get those tools in place pretty quickly. And, you know, now we have that technology, we need a way to keep supporting it in this remote post-COVID world. Right. One of the questions that always comes back when it comes to remote work is in the broker-dealer world, broker-dealers have always had to deal with managing rep environments. And most of them were, you know, sort of operating out of their own offices. They, they had their own devices. They had their own infrastructure. Do you think that COVID dramatically changed that pattern or was it just a bigger emphasis on the fact that now they've got to have certain protocols in place uh, that they didn't have before. 
You know, I think a lot of reps, um, surprisingly, you know, we would talk to our sales force, you know, in different capacities and, and I'd go to conferences. A lot of people were still doing face-to-face business, right? So right. even though they were working remote, you know, a lot of people still use paper. They would still go get a physical client signature and either upload it or something like that. So I think that it did change that, right? We had to find a new way to communicate with customers. We were supporting that communication, whether it be, you know, monitoring mobile devices differently, right? Allowing registered reps to text, right? Because that's become, you know, the way that we communicate. Making sure that we had the virtual meeting technology enabled. They could have a virtual meeting with their customer if they needed to. How did we support witnessing a client signature for a notary? There were so many different things that we were not looking at pre-COVID. Right. I think all of us had talked about them, but it wasn't a rush to put those in place in business. Makes sense. Just kind of taking that point further, right? So now that there's more dependence on technology and when technology may have been a good thing for for a lot of these advisors to use to make themselves be more efficient, now it's kind of become the standard. So to that effect, how do you see for you personally as the chief compliance officer at Farmers uh, Financial? I mean, you've got quite a few advisors on your platform. What keeps you up at night when it comes to compliance and cyber as well? You know, when I I think about it as compliance officers, we're always wondering, are we doing enough to protect our customers, to protect the rep, to protect the firm? And it's the speed of change, right? There's a speed of change in regulation and technology platforms. We need to be diligent and stay close to those changes. For example, if you look at it, there's been a regulatory focus on mobile devices, right? Correct. We've all seen the notices coming out recently. And then communication outside of the firm network. Or, you know, How do we supervise it? How do we monitor it? We've also seen the SEC take a stance on cybersecurity. Yes. And then state New York has a state requirement. Mm-hmm. We're likely to see more of that, right? So we're going to see more and more states coming out with regulations in addition to the federal regs that are changing. So I think that it's keeping up with all the changes and making sure that we're supporting customers and the firm and our rep would be the idea of what's out there and and kind of changing so quickly in the environment. Makes sense. And just to kind of take a point that you brought up, the SEC recently on February 9th, I believe, put out a proposal. It may have been February 6th. I may have my date off, but Mm -hmm. they put out a proposal for the first time to actually have a rule around cybersecurity. And they're actually talking about changing some of the rules around books and records significantly to accommodate cybersecurity. I'm sure you've seen that. Is that an area that, I mean, a lot of the broker dealers are obviously FINRA regulated, but given that the SEC has taken a stance and now moving from best practices recommendation for cyber to actually having a rule, do you see that that's going to change the adoption pattern or the way firms sort of look at cyber? I think so in many ways, especially the investment advisor only firms, right? A lot of those run pretty lean. They don't have a staff. Most don't have a CISO. Right. There's no one to monitor cybersecurity in those firms. As broker dealers, we've been dealing with it for years. I think FINRA kicked off a targeted exam in 2014 on cybersecurity, right? So this is not something new for us, but it's definitely changed with the focus. I know that, you know, it's actually part of an exam process where, you know, there's a section of your branch exam or your, you know, firm mm-hmm. exam that's really dedicated to cybersecurity at this point. Some of those investment advisors who don't have the staff, how they're going to deal with it, right? I think you're going to have 
have to leverage technology and outsource to be able to comply with these new regulations. And I know that there's conferences coming up and a lot of people are going to be talking about it, but I do think it's one of those where we're going to have to band together with the industry and find a solution to help smaller firms get through it. Makes sense. I think larger firms in place have a lot of processes already built out, but if you look at the investment advisor model, there's just so many small firms that are going to have to come up with a way to supervise it. Makes total sense. Talk to me a little bit about farmers and, um, I mean, we're all familiar with farmers in, in the traditional sort of insurance realm. Farmers Financial, what is their charter? How do you sort of see the world and how do you see sort of the investment advisory business coming together with the insurance business? What's Farmers Financial's view of the world? So we're a broker-dealer under the farmer's umbrella. So we, we function as a traditional broker-dealer. We Our agents are independent contractors, right? So, you know, just like many firms in our space, you know, our agents do bring their own devices. Mm-hmm. They run their own branches. So we function as a broker-dealer just under the farmer's brand. Our regulations really line up with anyone you'd see in the BD space. So that that's really our focus is to ensure that we're providing our customers the ability to have investments in addition to their insurance needs. And so how many advisory firms do you have on the Farmers Financial platform? Uh, we have about 4,000 reps on the platform. 4,000 reps. Mm-hmm. And then, and that does not include staff, I'm guessing, right? No. I got it. What about dual registered? Do you have any SEC FINRA registered advisors as well on the platform? Is it mostly state and FINRA? It's FINRA. Okay. Right now, we're not really into the advisory space. Got it. Got it. You've served, Ann, and I know this, right, you know, through your time at Reg, uh, you know, RegEd and some of the uh, other technology sort of players, you were, you're a veteran in the industry. What are some of the innovations in the RegTech space and compliance space that you're personally excited about that you see, you know, sort of emerging over the next, you know, five to 10 years? It's interesting. So, you know, I mentioned I've been in the industry for 20 years. That whole 20 years, we've really talked about going paperless. We've had this conversation that we're going to do away with all paper and all business is going to go straight through. One of the things with COVID, that started to happen, right? Like Mm -hmm. I talked about the rep would go and get a physical signature. It just gives so much more transparency and it enables us to do so much more business if we're moving away from that model. So I do think it's exciting. The vendors in that space have done a really good job of building the right technology to to enable us to do business that way. Um, So I do think that's one thing that came out of, you know, us being in a virtual environment that's been exciting. I think another thing that's exciting is that we're seeing the way that FINRA considering different rules, right? I mentioned that we didn't really work from home because of registration requirements. So, you know, Fender put out a, a notice last year. They called it um, lessons from the COVID pandemic. They talked about evolving work environments and how they're going to look at a risk-based approach and, you know, taking away some of the location requirements. With that, we're going to have to have technology to step up, right? Because we're going to need vendors who can supervise people working from home, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are they logging in, you know, how are we tracking? We don't know what my internet is like, what you know, what your protection is like. Some things are done under VPN. Not everything is done under VPN, right, in your model. So, Correct. you know, how do we protect those devices if FINRA makes that change and they really open it up where we really can work from home? You know, we're doing more virtual inspections. So, you know, how do you support those definitions? Because they're good for the industry. We want that change. Right. We want people to be able to work remotely. But how do we protect the infrastructure when you've got 600 employees? working from their house, all working under different models, right? Makes sense. And one of the things that you have at at Farmers is because you're part of Farmers Corporate, you've got 
a pretty extensive IT environment. You've got probably a pretty large IT department focused on a lot of these innovations that, that we're talking about. What recommendations would you give some of the other organizations out there that, that are sort of coming up the, the technology curve, if you will, particularly broker-dealers or you know insurance BDs? What, what, what recommendations would you give for them to be more compliant and take sort of risk more seriously? Uh, I'd say don't just focus in the back office, you know, look at your branch cyber controls. I think that's something that we've done for a long time. We've built infrastructure around our back office spaces, our employee model. There has been some safeguards that people put in place regarding a branch, but we are seeing more and more um, focus on what the cybersecurity in each individual branch location. And, you know, most of us have thousands of locations where our reps do business. So, you know, don't just focus on your back office and your, your corporate model really look at how you're monitoring the branches. What controls do you have in place? I think that's going to be something important. I was actually looking at the agenda for the upcoming FINRA Cyber Security Conference, and they've specifically mentioned that, right? Branch cyber control. So Mm -hmm. that's a lean-in that we're going to see more focus on branch cyber security. It's not going to just be policy, right? I think we're going to get to the, what are you actually doing to protect those branches? Yeah, well put. Another thing that I, I think that we've we've done before, I look at the mobile, you know, all the cases that are coming out around, mm-hmm. you know, people using mobile devices, bring your own devices, is, uh, you know, we took a stance on social media years ago, right? Everyone prohibited it. And then we saw that, you know, regulators were saying, well, you can't just prohibit it. How are you controlling it? I think we're going to see the same thing happening with texting and all the other apps that we're using to enable business, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, some firms say, oh, we're just going to not allow our reps to do it. We're not allow our, our employees to do it. I don't think that model stands long term, right? I think we're going to see a transition where you can't just say in your policies, I don't allow anyone to do it. Exactly. Without having the right controls in place to either monitor they're not participating and, you know, texting or, you know, you actually have to have something where people can opt in and you can actually supervise it. So so that's probably the second tier is, you know, don't think that just prohibiting some type of technology is going to get you through your next examination, right? You're going to have to show how you're supervising it going forward. Excellent points there. You know, I appreciate you sharing uh, a lot of this with the audience here. I guess you will be at the FINRA conference, uh, so we'll get to see you there uh, at the end of the month because there's two conferences, right? There's the FINRA at the end of the year, and then there's the annual FINRA coming up in the summer. So be looking forward to that. Once again, I want to thank you for your time and uh, all your expertise to sort of share your perspective on cyber risk and, uh, and compliance. This concludes our session. Once again, I appreciate your time there, Ed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Unencrypted Truth. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. To learn more about how Entrada can provide comprehensive cybersecurity software to protect your client data, visit entrada.com forward slash podcast. And please be sure to follow, rate, and review this show wherever you listen to your audio content. We'll be back with even more truths to unencrypt on our next episode.